You're listening to Strong Asian Lead, the podcast for Asian Americans in film, television, and streaming. I'm your host, Masami Moria. In this podcast, we hold candid discussions about the entertainment industry from the Asian American perspective and host interviews with the trailblazing Asian Americans who made the industry what it is today. This week, we're publishing an interview I had with Elizabeth Jacobs and Phoebe J. Young about their upcoming documentary project, The Stolen Children. We recorded this interview last year, and while it's been some time for this interview to publish, the GoFundMe campaign is currently in progress. If this project interests you or you got something out of this interview, please consider donating to their campaign. Here's the interview we recorded last year. Hey guys, I'm Lizzie Jacobs. I'm the director on the Stolen Children film. Hi, my name is Phoebe Young, and I'm one of the two producers on the Stolen Children. Tell me and the audience about this project. Tell us what you're working on. Absolutely. So I can start off, but it started off as a honors thesis for school that I wanted to do. I simply started off with like, oh, I wanted to create a kind of a feature film documentary about me going back to Cambodia since I'm adopted there. I was adopted there in 2000. And I just want to capture like my first moments there, revisiting like the culture and kind of getting reconnected in that sense. But when I made that proposal to make that thesis, they're like, okay, that's great, but you're going to have to do some research on it. So before you submit that proposal, we want you to have a bibliography, look up some articles, get like background info as much as you can. So I did that and going through like just articles about adoption in Cambodia, I came upon a lot of articles about this woman named Lauren Galindo. Now what happened uh, with Lauren Galindo is she created a almost a like a baby trafficking ring out in Cambodia. It was an adoption scandal because adoption the adoption system in Cambodia was very, very corrupted in the year 2000. And article after article, I saw just information about Lauren Galindo pretty much having people called like baby recruiters would go to really, really like impoverished villages and like knocking on doors to ask families if they need help supporting their children. And if the mother said yes, they said, okay, we promise you we'll bring them back to our orphanage, take care of them, give them all the medical needs that they that, that they that they need. But essentially, they did not make it clear to these families that they were actually going to be labeled as orphans and have them sent away and to be adopted overseas. Just because I mean, these these families were very, I want to say they weren't educated in the sense they weren't able to like read and write. And so to communicate with them, it was a little bit foggy for them. So that's what I learned. And, and, and I was thinking about my own adoption since I was adopted around the same time. I want to know to my to what extent how I was involved into this adoption scandal and just going through my records and like pictures and talking to my parents. It just think it, it sounded like things weren't adding up as if like my birthday, which was January 1st, 2000, it seemed inconsistent because on a baby record book, it looked like my birthday was February 2nd. So that was inconsistent. We found out that the driver my mother used out in Cambodia when she went to adopt me was the same driver that Lauren Galindo would hire for all of her transportation needs out in Cambodia. Some other things is my surname is Roth. So my full name was Rockin' a Roth and Roth translates to owned by the government. Um, it is a surname that is very common for a lot of orphans. Nonetheless, um, I read in articles that for a lot of the quote unquote stolen children, that was their surname. Uh, just a lot of these red flags are popping up. And so, so that's how like kind of like the main part of this documentary came about. It was supposed to be like a, I, like a, a reconnection to culture documentary. 
and now it has expanded into something more that that involves investigation and yeah that's I told Phoebe about this when we interned at at the Camp Film Festival when I was 18. Phoebe, you were how old were you? Yeah, around 16. But that's how me and Phoebe met, and then I, I pitched it to her, and they, we kind of just blossomed that relationship from there. That's such a wild story. Like we don't one, we don't know about it, right? So no one talks about this part of uh, stuff. Most people don't even know where Cambodia is. But like to hear this whole like not even conspiracy but like just the scandal we had a huge part to deal with i think that's that's we need to hear about these projects and so you know thank you for making this aware i know you're a part of it just doing it for your own uh personal understanding of everything went but that's how it all starts right i think it's about understanding who we are and then like uncovering these (laughs) wild stories that are out there and building that so how's how's the process been um you working with Phoebe as your producer, you know, getting, how has that workflow been working for you? And what's been the best thing you've, you made a project before you were at campus. You already had a film project in there. You're just there. You're just there. Yeah. And that's, and that's good for networking, right? Go to, that's where the people are, the festival's at. So is this one of your first films? Um, for me, I started making films when I was in my junior year of high school, but I've never made like feature film. I've, I've really just stuck to short films. I haven't even never submitted in like film festivals before. So Phoebe, Phoebe has a lot more experience in film though than I do. I, I've been doing film since I was a sophomore in high school and now I'm, I'm studying film and television at NYU Tisch School of the Arts. And uh, I mean, I did a couple of festivals when I was in high school and a couple in college, but this is the first feature film that I'm working on. This is the first feature for, I think, almost like most of our crew members actually. Um, so it's, it's just been a really cool process because we're so used to the short film medium and you think that, you know, a good amount might translate over, but it's such a big, it's such a big, bigger step. Um, almost it's, it's like way more advanced. And, and so we, you know, are now like talking and working with like budgets, which is sophomore me had never done. And so it's just been really cool to, to see the process come together like that. Yeah. And as working as a producer on a project like this, you know, what's been, what's been the process like, like, tell us, like, I feel like we, a lot of people go for the director's position. They might be a writer and if they're documentaries, not a lot of team and crew sometimes, but as a producer, we don't actually talk a lot with producers. So what's been the process and projects like coming from your perspective of finding somebody else's story and helping them get them off the ground? Yeah, absolutely. So I will say that I wasn't, I I didn't have a producer credit until recently this summer. I actually joined the project two years ago. I was the first one on it, October, 2019. And I I started as an assistant director, but the more Lizzie and I spoke and, and there was like a very long stretch of like almost a year where it was literally just us two. And so we, we've done, we've just developed a lot of the film creatively together. And I'm going to be honest, like pretty much like every single idea I've like pitched for this film, like whether it's for the story, whether it's like presenting it to different companies, Lizzie has like accepted almost every single one of my suggestions, which is great because I I do usually write and direct my own work. um, But, and I I tend to to want to work on my own personal projects, but you know, being that Lizzie and I have been friends for for a few years, have been friends for a few years now, just seeing her kind of go through this story kind of inherently made it important to me as well. And so the process of that has just 
been a lot of our, our core development team, which is me and our other producer, Bree. And that pretty much consists of, you know, doing the real nitty gritty work. We're, we're working with the budgets every day. We're trying to manage our production team. We have internship programs that have been going every semester that we're also managing, putting together pitch decks and, and rehearsing our pitches. And I've, I've written most of the pitches that we've, we've given for the film. So it's been mostly for me just, just trying to figure out how to express Lizzie's story um, in a way where people can, can get interested as well. Because even though it is a documentary, it sort of is a narrative also, in, in a sense, if that makes sense, because there's a very clear three-act structure that we're going to follow. And I just think that it's it's so important that, that other people are able to recognize. And I just love pitching the film to other people because, like you said, it's, it's just so unheard of. And this is, some, this is a scandal that I haven't heard of before. No one on production, our crew, has, has heard of before. Um, and, and sharing that message is just super important to all of us at, at this point, especially um, as an Asian American as well, even though I'm not Cambodian, it's still important to me to represent all Asian Americans on screen. So that's something else that the doc has, has really been helping me do. Yeah, 100%. I think that's the that's kind of the point here. We're all, we're all building things together. We want to tell really good stories and we want to learn things as well. I think that's the one of the greatest things about filmmaking, entertainment, especially the documentary world, we're learning something that that's out there and making projects like this gets it out to the world. Building, doc I'm not a documentarian person. I, I've, I've done a couple here and there, I just shoot around a couple ideas for documentaries, but what draws you both to documentary filmmaking? I mean, do you also dabble in narrative? Is there something, is there, how much is there a crossover or what pulls you to a lot of documentary work? So I, I am a narrative filmmaker, and I think that at the end of the day, career-wise, that, that's where I will end up drifting. Not going to lie, I, I didn't really enjoy documentaries until I joined this project. I think that I just wasn't watching necessarily the, the right films um, in the genre, uh, but now that I've become a producer for this documentary, my favorite part about it is just the natural authenticity that there will inevitably be because, you know, it, it's very interesting because you don't usually see directors double as their own talent. Right. But in this situation, Lizzie is. And so I, I just think that, you know, obviously I, I don't necessarily know, but like I mentioned before, just seeing her grow over the years and kind of learn more about her culture and learn more about her own adoption. That's just a firsthand experience that you can't get anywhere else. Um, and I'm sure when we actually physically go to Cambodia and, you know, she's going through a lot more changes and, and learning a lot more about herself. That's just something that I don't think can be necessarily acted out. Even if you can, I mean, you can obviously portray it, but there's, there's just nothing more authentic than just this original reaction that, that we're going to be able to capture. And, and as for translations, I, I usually don't find too many similarities between, you know, narrative feature films and documentaries. But for this specific one, I, I do think it's interesting um, because the three-act structure that we're following just kind of, we're telling a story here. And I know all documentaries do, but it's not just like we're jumping interview to interview. We're, we're consistently focusing on this one person the entire time. 
And I just think that there is a strong narrative voice here. And that's not always something that you'll see in every documentary, but it's most definitely present in this one. Yeah. So I actually, I'm with Phoebe here. I've always stuck to narrative filmmaking. Um, It wasn't until I'd say my sophomore year in college, that was about two-ish, three-ish years ago, that I I started to get into documentary um, filmmaking. And the reason why I like just working in a for a documentary is with narrative filmmaking, you have a story already in mind. With documentary filmmaking, I feel like you have like that initial lead, but you don't know what outcome you're going to get. And you have to think on your feet, which is, I think, really fun to do. And I think it's great when you're going into narrative. But with documentaries, yeah, it's just like the story develops as do it, right? So when we're out there, I mean, we do have like a preconceived like lead on like what what we want this story to look like, but we have no idea what the outcome is, whether we're going to find biological family, whether we're going to find out if I wasn't stolen or if I was, you know, it's, I think it's just a really fun way to one practice kind of storytelling with narrative and it's it's it works well with this with this documentary just like phoebe said because the way how i want to shoot this documentary was kind of a mix of narrative filmmaking and documentary filmmaking because the style of this film is like i want it to be a almost like a cinematic journal so because because it's so personal i wanted to really bring people into my lives and my process and my thought thoughts going into this journey and in the beginning, I kind of wanted to start off as like almost like a narrative film, kind of like really like cinematic slow motion B-roll, like where the shots are pretty like intentional. That's when we're like in a, like in the first act, we're going to see like a lot of culture, a lot of colors, a lot of, you know, landscape shots, like just capturing the postcard beauty of Cambodia. I want that to be almost narrative style. But then once we get into act two, where we kind of investigate further into, you know, the orphanages and the adoption scandal and, you know, what have you, I want to kind of bleed into that documentary filmmaking where like, you know, the, the shaky on the go camera movements, kind of like showing that transition between like, yes, you're per- like everyone's perception of Cambodia is like that beautiful, like destination of like relaxation and all that tourism but if you kind of like pull behind the the seal, you understand that a lot of these beautiful countries and like destinations, like people like Bali, um, Thailand, things like that, where people want to go and get that like kind of like lush tropical vacation under that is like a very, very like poor country that has corruption just literally everywhere you look. And so that's what I think is really cool about this documentary is because I feel like there's not a lot of documentaries that play with that narrative and documentary style and kind of use that in that storytelling. And that's that's what I think is very intri- intriguing about this specific documentary. And I, I think it's also good, as Phoebe said, like not many films have like the director be the main subject. But in this sense, what I like about it is I can tell my story in the most authentic way possible that there's there's no way where it can be ingenuine or inaccurate because it's coming from me and it's it's being put out the way that I want it to. Yeah, I think that's right. And you bring up a good point about like you don't know where the story's gonna go. Because part of this is like journalism, right? You can't you can't screw with the narrative. You can't like tell people exactly how to do it. And you don't know what the ending's gonna be. And so I think that's I hadn't really thought about that part of it, of the the process of making it, especially when you're the subject. 
because you're going to go through the emotions. You're going to be on camera showing those emotions and then going to the editing process and then seeing yourself and then, you know, going onto the stage and going and get accepting your awards and stuff as the whole thing. I think that's your, like you are the story. I think that's, uh, you know, just a beautiful thing. Yeah. And, and having to seeing like the corruption side of all these countries that we do see on pamphlets and vacation homes, you know, you don't put that on a postcard. Let's go to, go to the corruption place. Yeah. What are, what are some of your, so you're going to go to Cambodia, right? And you're going to go check it out and find family and maybe find somebody you don't know what's there, you know, go to the hometown, but what are some of your worries and, and, and thoughts about going? Do you feel like you feel really comfortable doing that and bringing your whole production team? And yeah, tell us a little bit more about what you're thinking. Yeah, so definitely, there there's definitely concerns going and traveling to Cambodia, both as a point of view of a director, like production can get really sticky, especially in the pandemic with COVID. There's a lot of things that, you know, we are uncertain about and we're gonna have to think on our feet. And then on the other hand, there's just worries about this is my story, kind of making sure it is perceived the way that hopefully I people I, I hope people will perceive it. For example, just like a worry I have is, you know, once we get there, like finding biological family, I don't know how I'm necessarily going to react. I mean, when I pitched this to my honors advisor, he's like, are you sure you want to make something like this personal with this amount of weight? and show it to the public, which that always weighs on my mind. I think I've come to almost like I've accepted the fact that like, yes, it's a very personal project, but I know in the end that it's helping a lot of adoptees who have no idea that they also could be involved in this scandal that I'm, I'm helping them almost start a discussion with parents and, and friends talking about this because we've had so many like emails and dms on social media saying like hey i'm also adopted at this time like i did not know about this i'm worried to tell my parents like because it's just like it's on the edge of like i feel like parents are very scared to talk about this situation with children just because you can get into a pointing fingers game of blaming like how do you not know about this like why did you do this x y and z this documentary i feel like is going to help create a neutral ground and open discussion for for both families and adoptees who are going to want to know more about this. So although it holds a lot of weight, I think it's going to be worth it in the end. But I mean, worries as a, as a director, just production in general, like I'm, I'm worried, like we've, all of us, I don't think have worked on a feature film, let alone a feature film going internationally. And we're all very young filmmakers. Like I have only been out of the country as I, I only been out of the country probably like four times and one of them's Canada. Right. So it's definitely going to be a out of the box experience for a huge majority of us. And um, a lot of things could go wrong. A lot of, you know, young 20 year olds out in Cambodia, who knows what's going to happen, but we, we try to prepare as professionally as we can. Yeah, that's a part of the adventure, right? <laughs> You're, Absolutely. You know, as long as you have the camera, cameras rolling and yep. making sure everybody's yep. recorded, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll be okay. No, I think that's super ambitious. And I, you know, I would, that's not me. I wouldn't go like out of the country. I'd be like, no, let's not, let's not do that. But I think that's super cool that you are, because I think that's a, that's a testament to where you're starting even so young in your career to, to do something so bold. I just can't wait to see what's, you know, 10 years from now, what are you going to do? That's even more bold. That's a huge decision. Phoebe, what are your what are your trips and tribulations that you might feel like you're gonna 
run into when you get there. So I know productions, it's Murphy's law, anything, everything right. can happen. Right. So what are some of your worries that you're, you're as a producer, is it your job uh, to figure out and to minimize that? So what are you planning and doing to help that? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of my worries are coming from the more technical slash physical side. Lizzie, I'll let you worry about the, the content and the story. So, I mean, like Lizzie mentioned, it's a foreign country. I'm pretty sure none of us have been to Cambodia. One, none of us speak the language. We need to, hence why we need to hire a very trustworthy, trustworthy translator. To the financial situation is, I'm sure it's, a, it's always a worry to every filmmaker. It's, you know, do we have enough money? If, if something goes wrong, if we need to replace something on set, are we going to have the, the funds to, to be able to withhold ourselves because we're ultimately going to be going for three weeks? It's quite a long time. I mean, I feel like to a certain extent, I might be repeating what, what Lizzie says, but again, with like the COVID crisis, we were originally supposed to be shooting this past May. Granted, I'm very glad we didn't because I think that there is just a lot of opportunities that can come from just waiting. Um, like since then, like we we're working with executive producers as well, who really, really know the business and legal side that I personally do not know. I'm only 18. I have very, very limited knowledge on the business side. Um, and so the steps that me and the other producer, Bria, are, are taking are just, you know, educating ourselves a lot more on the business side, especially when it comes to budgets and like the technicalities um, of, of the, the legal kind of work that we need to sort out. Um, and I think that ultimately working with our two have really, really benefited us. And I think that they are absolutely instrumental and have gotten us to where we are now, even though they've only been with us for like the past two months. Um, we've progressed so much. We've upgraded our cameras. We're upgrading all of our equipment. We're, we're going to go in with a very, very clear plan because we are in a foreign country. Again, I don't think any of us will be over 25. There's like you said, Murphy's law, there's a lot that can go wrong, but genuinely though, being prepared. And again, I mean, at the, by the time we will be in Cambodia, I would have been on the project for like three, three or so years and everyone else for at least two. So going in with that very, very clear plan, I think is honestly the, the best and only way we can prepare um, besides, you know, just also trying to encourage our crew members to learn just the basics um, of the language there, just, you know, so we can communicate with locals if we really need to, as well as, you know, having a very, very COVID safe set making sure that everyone's in good health, everyone's in good shape physically before we go there. That's something I also realized the other day as walking around New York, I was like, wow, I, I really need to get in shape um, because I feel like we're going to be, you know, even though we might have vans and, and to hold our equipment at the end of the day, we're still probably, get, we're still probably going to be walking like five to 10 miles every single day for almost three weeks straight with just a couple day breaks here and there. Um, so just trying to get everybody mentally prepared because it is going to be a very, very extreme difference from living in the U.S. <laughs> exactly. No, I think that's, I think that's smart. I think, and you know, I, I don't like to, to, you know, subject on age too much too, because, but I think it's amazing that both are, you know, 18 and, and early twenties you know, I think that's, it's beautiful. Like that's your, what do you just to make something so bold and, and doing it 
so thoroughly. You know, I think if, if I was at your age, it's like about 10 years ago by now, that's like to think about different languages and having to have everybody, let's go learn Cambodian to just so we can go to this project and making sure going to internationally, that's all, that's all either whether it's visas, it's making sure everybody has passports, it's uh, getting all the equipment over there because that's going to have to go through customs as well. And like everything's going to be checked and what's going to stay, our, our flash drive's going to stay, you have backups, you have extra backups and you know, is everything going to go okay? Is someone going to get lost? Uh, is, there's a lot to think about. And so it's such a bold project and I don't, that's, that's not me at 18. I think that's so great that you are, because I just feel like we need more bold, bold people, bold young people going to do big things. Now, now going on that, how do you feel about where the industry's at right now and you coming into, you're the next generation after me. So how do you feel, how do you see the industry right now and going, how do you feel about it? going into the industry and what do you see that, I don't know, what could be done better or what do you hope that could be, uh, what are your hopes for the industry in the next five to 10 years as you're starting to go into the career element of film production? Sure. Uh, I, I was going to say, I actually just had a very similar conversation about where the industry is at right now. The other day, I, I feel like starting right now, and I feel like me and Lizzie's generation are kind of part of this very, like, kind of long and extended, yet extremely integral, like, transition period, almost for Hollywood. Um, Because, you know, you look at not, not too many generations up and how it's, you know, dominated by white male directors, but you kind of see how that's, that's definitely starting to change now. Um, even with like the Academy trying to be a bit more inclusive with award shows and, and representing projects and, and getting those on screen, getting those stories on screen. There's definitely being changes made. Obviously, I don't think that any of us expect it to be an overnight kind of process. Of course not. So I, I think that it's, you know, I'm just happy to to be a part of it. And I'm just happy that I, I'm able to kind of help Hollywood transition into a very, very diverse space. And again, with, you know, trying to represent other Asian Americans in filmmaking, the first, you know, all cast, all Asian cast that I saw was, you know, just like three, what, three years ago when Crazy Rich Asians came out, you know? And so I I grew up with surrounded by all of these white stories. And I personally, what I want to contribute and what we are currently contributing is stories from our point of view, because at this point, you know, I'm not saying that there aren't other stories from people who aren't Asians that don't mean to be heard, but it's just nice to be contributing from our side as well, because ultimately many, many years down the line, I do think that Hollywood will get to the point where we do become a very, very diverse space um, and that there will be a lot of film and and television shows about all kinds of ethnicities from, from everywhere. And you're going to start seeing a lot more stories that will hopefully educate um, about other cultures because you know the stolen children's main uh, goal is to educate people and yeah ultimately we will kind of be able to to have a lot of unique points of view pretty much i mean phoebe took the the words out of my mouth pretty much like we are in this transitional period i do see hollywood taking these you know small steps into becoming more diverse more inclusive as for where I see myself in 10 years, 
I don't know. I feel like it's it's changed, honestly, in the past two years doing this documentary. If you were to ask me in my freshman year of college, in like my senior year of high school, I would have been like, uh, maybe doing filmmaking as like a hobby, probably at a nine to five desk doing marketing because I, I started off uh, in college as a, a marketing major, very business oriented, which I think has definitely helped me in my filmmaking career because I feel like uh, built the, the business side of filmmaking is very, very critical if you want to have projects take off because I feel like with the industry, you can definitely, you need someone for the business side. Let's put it at that if you, if you want it to succeed. But now, I mean, after doing this documentary and seeing like the support it's getting, the amount of people that are just interested in interested in the story alone, whether or not they are Asian American, I think that really put it in perspective uh, of about like where this project could go and how my career has altered from being a you know a nine to five desk job to possibly really working in the industry like professionally being an Asian American director. Uh, and I, I really want to see where this where this project goes and how it helps and benefits me and Phoebe's careers. Because I, I definitely think for both of us, through this project, there's a lot of things we did not expect. And it's crazy. And it's every month there's something new, which is so insane. And I'm really happy about it, for sure. Yeah, a lot of this new new wave of things. But also just like the project is so... It's so in-depth. So I just see the award season being really hot for you <laughs> when it's all going out. It's going to be really cool. Now, this is being a, you're a Cambodian and this is hugely Cambodian story. This is very unique to it. Now, what do you see in Cambodian America that you, you want to see more of? Like, I've, I've seen a couple of documentaries here and there. I can't even probably name them off the top of my head. Maybe the, the Donut King. He was Cambodian, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably the only one I could think of. What other, well, one, what do you want to see more of? And what do you, how do you see like Cambodian uniqueness of the Asian American identity? But also, is there any films that you like, oh, this is a really good film to go watch too, because I'm sure our audience would want to watch more. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, growing up, I, I didn't see much, you know, Cambodian, I guess, representation in the media. The most I've seen was like, you know, Angelina Jolie and her, her son. That was like the extent of what I knew how people knew Cambodia and America. I guess the most recent media I've seen out there is the movie First They Killed My Father, which is great. It's on Netflix. Um, it's directed by Angelina Jolie. I thought it was beautifully shot. I really liked it. And it, it definitely inspired me on how I wanted to shoot part of this documentary for sure. But I would really, really like to see in like Cambodian America, like to see more Cambodian stories from Cambodian artists you know, that kind of like first, first hand experience first coming from the source, I'd like to say. That's what I really want to see in the future. Elizabeth Jacobs and Phoebe Young, thank you so much for being on the podcast and so excited for this project and uh, to see where it goes. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Elizabeth Jacobs and Phoebe J. Young. To learn more about the project, please visit them at www.thestolenchildrenfilm.com. You can also find their social media at The Stolen Children Film on Instagram. You can find all these links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to Strong Asian Lead. We're still getting through the backlog of these interviews and doing our best to publish them on a weekly basis. I'm personally taking my days off to put these together, which is why it's taken over a year to publish them. If you're interested in volunteering to help with this podcast, please reach out to us at the email hello at strongasianlead.com. 
Thanks again for listening to Strong Asian Lead. I'm your host, Masami Moria.